had a record, and uh, we didn't really have a lot of musical options in my house, uh, but that song was on one of those records. I don't know if it was the Statler Brothers or who it was, but anyway, it was, it was a song that I loved, How Great Thou Art, and so I love when we sing that, and uh, I love knowing those are some of the favorite songs, those are favorite songs of our three graduates. Whenever we sing those now, uh, I'm going to enjoy them even more, knowing that they are the favorite songs of people in our church. Well, uh, I'm off crutches, and uh, so if you're happy for my wife, say amen. Uh, off crutches, and uh, and last week I wore my dress shoes and paid a price for it pretty bad. So today I, I, I'm like, there are, two, there are two kinds of preachers that wear tennis shoes to church. There's the hip, trendy, cool preacher that wears, uh, young, usually young, that uh, wears tennis shoes at church. And then there's the old guy with bad feet. Uh, you know, we got some old men wear, wear tennis shoes at church. And uh, when I put these shoes on today, I pretended that I'm the cool, hip, young pastor, all right? Uh, but no, it's, it's been good. And uh, I'm looking forward to Somebody asked me, said, man, I bet you're ready to get back and preach. And of course, you guys know I like to walk around. I preach and preach that way. And uh, I do, but I'm also glad that the Word of God is not uh, bound by our injuries or even bound by our style, the way we do things. I mean, the Word of God transcends that. It's the Word. It's where the power is. And last week, uh, probably this Mother's Day last week, was probably one, for me, uh, one of the top ten services I've had in the eight years I've been here. And I was thinking about it. It's so great that, you know, preaching, sitting down, and, and that way, and yet just the service was just wonderful. And uh, I'm glad that God, uh, He's not bound to who we are right? And he's just not. And uh, I'm glad as a preacher that that's true for sure, whether, whether you're walking around or not walking around. Man, graduates, what an exciting time. So this is a sermon for everybody, but it's also a sermon for our graduates today. And uh, it applies to everyone, but it has special application for them. As a church, we are, as Brother Marcus said, we are proud of you, and uh, we're excited uh, for all three of you, and we're looking forward to what God is going to do next in your life. And you know, guys, you don't have to go to school anymore if you don't want to. Some of you are going to continue to do that, maybe all, all three, and uh, at least do that for some time. But the truth is, if you uh, decide you don't want to, this is really probably the first time in your life that you actually have that option. You're going to go to school or, or not go to school. And, the, and the, the fact of the matter is, there are going to be a whole lot of new options that are going to present itself to you over the next few years. And that's exciting uh, when you make that transition to have options available that you didn't, that you didn't have for you before. Uh, that can be wonderful. It can also be dangerous. And if you are unwise in the choices you make, I mean the Bible is so clear from beginning to end, if you are unwise in the choices you make, uh, those choices can even be deadly. So it's exciting and it's wonderful that you guys and, and, and us as believers, the freedom we have in Christ, we have a lot of options too. And that's wonderful and that's exciting. It can be dangerous. In fact, following the Lord actually is always dangerous. Did you know that? We often pray, Lord, take the danger away from our lives. But when you study the Bible, our God uh, puts us and allows us to be and many times wants us to be in dangerous situations. What he does not want you in, though, are situations that are deadly to your spiritual soul, uh, situations that bind you for eternity to death and to hell. He does not want death for you. The Lord
Lord wants life for you, but do not confuse the fact that the Lord wants life for you. Do not, do not make the mistake of thinking that that then means that he will never put you in any situations or allow you to go through anything that would be considered dangerous. That's a mistake. Graduates and, uh, and all Christians in this room, if you are a follower of Jesus, you will find yourself from time to time in, uh, in some, some dangerous situations. But the fact is, and the wonderful thing is, what you discover in those dangerous situations is that the Lord is more powerful than any of the danger you will face. Older Christians, if you have found that to be true, say amen. He is greater. And so today, to our graduates, I would just say, I, I want your path to be wonderful. And our church wants you to have a wonderful path, an exciting path. And we want, when God leads you into difficult, dangerous situations, scary situations, we want to stand with you and to help you to be faithful to God in those. But we don't want. We don't want you to enter and choose the path of physical or spiritual death. Now, others may, sometimes dangerous situations mean Christians have physically faced death. That's different than you making unwise choices, uh, foolish choices that bring upon a death that uh, is the result of sin. So we don't want those kind of deaths for you, and we, don't, we certainly do not want you to experience physical death. So with the choices before you, like with Tricia and Austin and Dylan, and believers today who have choices, uh, I want to remind you of a phrase. And it's a phrase that you probably heard in your childhood. If you were told as a child to look both ways, to look both ways before you cross the road, raise your hand. Pretty universal. Look both ways before you cross the road. Now, lots of people, probably teachers, guardians, parents, people older than you when you were little, they would tell you that all the time. If they saw you come to the road, they would tell you, look both ways before you cross the road. Now, my boys uh, are getting a little bit older, but when they're playing in the backyard and the ball rolls into the road or across the street, or if they see a neighbor that they want to uh, go, go play with, uh, we still tell them before they cross, boys, look both ways before you cross the road. Now, there's a game I played as a child that was all about helping you like realize you better look both ways before you cross the road. And I know some of you don't remember Ataris. You're young and like Tucker's over here like an Atari. I think I've heard about that. Like when the Ten Commandments came around maybe. Well, it's not that old. I played the Atari and there was this game called Frogger. And you see a little frog down there? You would play this game. And that game was all about getting that frog over those lily pads and on that log to safety. But you had to watch out. As you moved that little joystick, you had to watch out for the cars and, 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 and bugs and all kinds of things to be aware of when you played Frogger. And it was just built on a pretty simple principle. You need to look both ways before you cross the road. Now, maybe today you think that phrase, look both ways, originated with your parents. But it didn't. Did you know the Bible says many times in many places to look both ways. But it's a little bit different than crossing the road. Uh, when you come to crossroads in your life, what the Bible means by look both ways is a little different. So I want to show you today from the Word of God. So go to Joshua chapter 3 and let's read this event, this narrative in the Bible uh, where the people of Israel are told, look both ways before you cross the road, before you cross the path, before you enter into new territory. <coughs> look both ways. Joshua chapter 3. That's when Joshua has 
now the new leader that has replaced Moses uh, has filled that situation of leadership. Joshua is responsible uh, for doing what Moses uh, was not allowed to do, which is to take them over into the promised land. (coughs) And they are about to do that, but they've got to cross the River Jordan. They've got to cross this great body of water, and, and they don't really have a way to get across it. And so that's kind of the the backdrop for where this occurs, all right? So Joshua 3 says, Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim, came to Jordan, and all the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over. (coughs) It came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, and they said, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. So he says, here's how we're going to cross. I've been here for three days. How are we going to create a cross this by a water? He says, you're going to see the Ark of the Covenant and the priest go into the water, and you're going to look towards that and follow it. And they commanded the people, uh, when you see it, verse 3, to follow it. Verse 4, however, they want to make this clear, right? Joshua lets these people know and they'll let the people know, there shall be a space between you and it of about 2,000 cubits by measure. So there's a great distance. They can see it, but they can't get too close to it. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way uh, before. He he says to him, look, uh, you can't get but so close to the ark. You need to stay back and look to it and follow it. And Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke unto the priests. He said, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass over before the people, uh, go before the people. They're going to make this crossing first. And so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, this day will I begin to magnify you in the sight of all Israel. Aren't you glad that God, uh, he, he wants you to grow, not to shrink? He says to Joshua, I... Sometimes we try to do things. Preachers can do this. I know lots of people started ministry that they tried lots of ways to expand their ministry, and it was everything they tried to do. Listen, sometimes you need to let God open the door and then be faithful and walk in. Now, there is, there is responsibility on your part. But sometimes we just, we just try. Listen, God says, Joshua, I, I am going to magnify you. He's going to do some things to let the people know Joshua is the leader that is replacing Moses. He says, I'm going to do this, look at this, I'm going to magnify you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you shall command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, say, when you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. They've got to step in. And Joshua said, here you shall know that the living God is among you. And this is how you're going to know that he'll be with you and without fail drive out from before you, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. There's no obstacle that God is not going to be able to lead you through. Verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will pass over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of every tribe of Israel, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as their feet get into the water, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, then when they step out in faith, 
Then the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come from above, and they shall stand, they shall stand still unto a heap. They will, they will just gather up so the people can cross over. <coughs> came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan. The priests bore the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear or carried the ark were come to Jordan, the feet of the priests that bore the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, because the Jordan overflowed all its banks all the time of harvest. So you need to understand, like when they had to get in to this water, it is high. This is not like little water. Uh, did it come to their waist? Would it have come over their head, possibly? Maybe. This is the time that the river is flooded. So when we think they had to get into that water first, uh, this, is, this is a dangerous situation. Now, my, uh, my wife and I, when window cliffs, uh, you know, I used to go there as, as, a, as a boy a few times, and now, now it's uh, uh, been like a park setting, and, and they have a path that you can hike and go on. And some of us, uh, uh, college-age young adults, we did that last year. We, we did that together. And Window Cliffs, if you go on that, there are several water crossings. And they have um, like ropes-type things that they have spread out there that you can hold on to and go across. And did you know, here's the thing, the water in the Window Cliffs area at no point did it ever really get any higher than about right here. That was just a couple places. You had to cross like eight or nine times. But I want to tell you something. There were a couple of times that although the water was just like to my knees, uh, I was glad that I had hold of that because the rocks were slick and the water was moving fast. And it was like, that is a good thing they've done this. A lot of people would get hurt. So you need to know, like, this water's high. And this water is dangerous. And this water is deadly. And yet God says, you step in first. And so verse 14. came to pass when the people were moved from their tents to pass over Jordan. The priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. Verse 15 tells us they stepped into the water. Verse 16, the waters which came down from above stood up, rose up upon a heap very far from the city. So it went back. It goes away from the city of Adam that is beside Zartan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. So it provides them perfect protection. It provides them the ability to make this crossing. Verse 17. Let's read a few more verses, all right? And the priests that bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over the Jordan. So they, they have looked one direction and they have crossed over. But then look what happens when they make the crossing. Chapter 4. It came to pass when all the people were clean, or they'd all passed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke unto Joshua and said, he's got, a new, he's got a new directive for him. Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command you them, saying, Take you out of the midst of the Jordan, get out, out of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, go there. And each man, representing each tribe, was to get a stone, get 12 stones. And you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. They were to set up a stone memorial. Uh, we know about this in the ancient world. Most of us are familiar with Stonehenge over in uh, England. We're not exactly sure what Stonehenge, uh, there's a lot of debate why that was originally put there. Uh, but this is, this is a marker. This is a, this is a, a way... For people to know that a great event took place here. So he says, go, go get them. And you'll leave them there. Verse 4. Then Joshua called the twelve men. Whom he prepared the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. 
and, uh, out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said to them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder. So these are pretty big. Like these are not like uh, when I kind of Googled to see, uh, maybe I can show an image. Uh, some people were showing like teeny little stones. It's like, no. He says, put this up on your shoulder. So I'm pretty sure these, these were, uh, were decent-sized stones at least, not, not little pebbles. And he says, get a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come and say, what mean you by these stones? What do these stones mean? You shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, where it passed over the Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord spoke unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. When you're parents and your guardians taught you to look both ways before uh, crossing the road, they meant for you to look left and right. They meant for you, when you cross the road, you need to look to the left and to the right. And that is important that you do that. But the scriptures this morning stress to us and teach us that just as when you cross the road, you need to look to the right and the left, that as you walk through life, and particularly when you come to crossroads in your life, You also need to look two directions, but it's not right or left, right, Dylan, Austin, Tricia. When you reach crossroads, the Bible would say to you, you need to look both forward and you also need to look backwards. I I mentioned last week and on Mother's Day stressed uh, the way the Bible, when you study it, there are many places that it, that it, it, it really teaches both and. There are things in the Bible that are either or. Uh, there are things in the scripture that are both and. When you come to crossroads, it is both true that you should look forward and you should look backwards. Now, depending on the moment, that might depend on which direction you're looking. But in the process, as believers, it is so important, particularly when you are faced with big decisions, to look forward and look backwards. God has given you the spiritual ability to look in both directions, to the future and to the past. It's not one or the other, it is both. According to today's passage, there were two things that needed to happen for the people to enter into the promised land. The water needed to stop flowing, and the people needed to step out and cross over. Now, you might remember, this is not the first time that the children of Israel have been in this situation. Forty years earlier, escaping slavery in Egypt, God had led them to this very same river, the River Jordan. Moses sent spies into the land to check things out. And when they returned, they told that their future held for them a land flowing with milk and honey. But they also described a land filled with giants. Ten of the twelve spies Moses sent out, convinced the people 40 years earlier when they were ready to cross over the Jordan uh, to not do it because of the obstacles that these giants in their life uh, posed. Because of their disobedience, God forced the Israelites to wander in the desert for 40 years. It is both true that God loves Israel and it is true that God 
judged Israel for their sin. Both those things are true. It is both true that God did miraculous things for them in the miracle, that his grace did not disappear. Even in the chastisement, his grace did not uh, disappear. But it is true that even in the grace where God took care of the wilderness, they were facing the judgment of God. Christians, we come to crossroads. And if we're not careful, we will choose unwisely. We will be disobedient. And graduates, if God allows you to live uh, a full span of life, you have many, many years before you. And this really is one of those moments in your life. This is not preacher talk. This is not church talk. This is not Christianese. This is, this is God talk from the word of God to you. But this is one of those crossroads in your life that if you're not careful, you will put yourself in a situation where you will wander aimlessly and aimlessly and aimlessly. And I know one thing about God. God did not save anybody. He did not save anybody for them to wander aimlessly through this life. He did not save us for that purpose. Amen, church? But if you're not careful, you'll wander through a desert of your own. Uh, Hebrews makes it clear. The book of Hebrews draws on this imagery. And it makes it clear, in fact, that if you're not careful in your spiritual life, that you will wander like them and you will apostatize. You will, you will abandon what God has done in your life. If you're not careful, if you let this aimless wandering grip you. Now, thankfully, there's a new generation and even the chastisement, God's grace is there. And the Israelites now are going to faithfully follow what had been God's plan to enter into the promised land. So yes, this is a dangerous situation though. What God wants for them is dangerous. This obedience is dangerous because it calls for the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant to walk into this rushing water of the Jordan River. Verse 15, as we saw, said that the river was in the flood stage. That means this is a dangerous thing for the priest to do, and it's dangerous for the people to follow them because at any moment, if this water comes crush, crush, crashing back through, they will die. And in fact, I think they are very aware that they will die if that happens because they know what happened to the Egyptians 40 years earlier who had followed after their forefathers. So when God tells them, by the way, I'm 39 years old, so I understand what a span of 40 years looks like. There are many dangerous events from my childhood. There are many experiences, well, I mean, not many, but there are some uh, experiences that I've had that were dangerous, and I remember them quite vividly. So these people, although it didn't happen to them, uh, the memory, because this is a huge memory, I mean, they, they're, they're, their parents have been slaves. Like, they're not, they're, they know what happens if things go wrong in this water. And they know they've been very disobedient uh, during this desert time. And probably like a lot of us, they know, okay, God, I want to trust you. And I want to trust that your love and your grace is just as radical as you say it is. But God, I also know I have really failed you. And I have really messed up. And so, Lord, I really, really, Trisha, awesome Dylan, you're going to have some time because you're human. And you're going to think, God, I really want to follow you. And I really want to step out. But, Lord, I'm just a little bit afraid because I know your grace is big, big, big. But also know me. So what the Lord caused them to do at the crossroads, he asked them to do something really dangerous. He asked them to be obedient in the face of death because they could die from this. Verse 15 says the water was in the flood stage. And God is going to require the priest to carry the ark into the river before performing the miracle. Verse 13 says that only after the priest step into the river 
will the water stop flowing? One writer I read this week pointed out, again, that more than likely the steep riverbank, because if you've been there, there's a riverbank there as well. So what that very well could have meant is that they had to step off the riverbank into this flood water, which meant the minute they went into it, it probably got up to their necks. I mean, probably the moment they went in, they're neck deep in this water. Because of the time it would take for the water to drain downstream after it stopped flowing upstream from them, this would have been fast-flowing water that they would have stepped on for some time because, remember, it's still got to do what it's going to do, right? Uh, if it happens the way, if I'm reading this right, the way it's going to have to go out uh, and go back upstream. It's got to do that. So they're going to step in. It's going to be high. And there's probably, I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm, put this in a box here. It's my opinion reading the text, but it comes from the text. It's very possible when they, when they step in that, yes, the water began to move, but, but they're there for a minute, right? I mean, God's got to perform his miracle. No matter how it happened, this is a dangerous, scary situation. So Tricia, Austin, and Dylan, and every Christian in this room, God will bring you to points in your life where you either trust him or you don't. That's, that's the only two options you got. And it'll be, there are times it's very, very clear. You either trust God or you don't. In dangerous situations, you're not going to be able to see what makes it dangerous sometimes you can see the danger but you can't see the outcome you don't know how the story ends and so folks god will take us at times to dangerous and uncertain places like this jordan river to both show us things one thing he's going to show them is that joshua is is the leader that he is anointed and they need to know that for the battles they're going to face they need to be unified together and so he needs to show them that and god knows that it's so important to show them that that they know that 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 is more important than the danger they will face. Can I, can I just say this? I mean, again, like kind of starting to enter into middle age. I've now lived long enough that there are times that you kind of know in your mind, God, I think I know why you've got me going through this. But it's still hard. It's still hard. And it's in those moments we have to really allow our faith to grow. We have to really depend on the Holy Spirit. By the way, I believe in that. If you believe in the Holy Spirit, say amen. Some churches don't. And uh, I don't get up here and pick on other churches. But I'm going to tell you something. There is a Spirit of God. And it is a living Spirit. And there is a Father and a Son and a Holy Ghost. And there are times that I am disobedient. And I know it. And I am miserable. And there are times that I can't sleep. And it's more than just thinking, you know, there, there are times that, and out of the way, I'm talking about there are times that the world, plenty of things the world says, that's okay. You haven't broken any laws. You haven't da-da-da. Uh, there are times, I'm not even talking about disobeying the Ten Commandments. There are times that I know that God gave me an opportunity, and I will wake up in the middle of the night, and the Holy Spirit will be saying to me, I gave you that. I mean, it's like confirming to my heart. I gave you that opportunity. The Holy Spirit is so powerful and so strong. And it's in those dangerous places that you need to know the Word of God so that you can understand what it is that the Holy Spirit is communicating to you about what God wants for you in your life. Now, I, this is just completely off the notes, but I'm just looking around this room. And boy, you know, Larry and Vivian, you know, you're at a different physical point in your life. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. Boy, we know, Rosa and Mike, you're not just losing Tricia, but what you've gone, gone through with little Jackson, I mean, I mean, your, your parents are probably going to be a wreck. 
I mean, the girl is graduating, right? They love Anthony, but come on, man. Like, we know how the game works. The girl is graduating. They have continued stuff with Jackson they have to deal with. I mean, Mike and Rosa were not planning on two years ago taking care of a child, but has it not been a blessing, Rosa? I mean, both Mike and Rosa have told me many times, many times, and it, and it hadn't been that long they've had not that's like, you know, God, God did this for us. We're doing something for him, but God did this for us. Boy, Tanner and Lacey, they're about to have a first child. Tanner does not really know what a dirt, he thinks because he's, uh, you know, medical guy on that ambulance, he thinks he knows let me tell you, the first time, I mean, the first time you really get a whiff of that dirty diaper, it's going to be, Lacey, you got to handle this. I mean, and she's going to look back at you and say, no, I handled it right here. You handle that. He doesn't know. He doesn't, if, if Tanner and Lacey don't know what's coming, say amen. But it's good. It's, it's wonderful. But it's dangerous and it's hard. And listen to me, young people, that's why so many people in this wicked age that have been way more informed by the culture and the Word of God, that's why we're too inconvenienced to have children. Now listen, God does call some people to singleness. And God does call some people, it's clear from the Word of God, there's some people that don't have children, and this is not to say anything negative about that, because that is true. But it's also, see, it's not either or, it's both and. It is also true in this society that we're too busy to have and raise kids And it is dangerous, and it is true that some people, certainly not all, some people can't trust God enough to do it. You know, people say all the time, it's true, what's going to happen to our kids? What's going to happen to our grandkids? And I agree with half of that sentiment, half of it I do. But half of it, I just want to say back, God's going to do the same thing he's always done for the children of those that love him. If you will do your part, you can't control their destiny. But let me tell you something, God will do what he has always done. He will keep his hand upon his people in every age. So whether you've got physical problems or whether you've got just life issues, you're in situations like Mike and Rosa, you didn't plan on being in, but you really got to trust God. Whether you're about to have a child, but can I say this today? Whether you're one of those that are a widow or you're a lifelong single person and, and maybe you're going through sickness or maybe you're entering old age and you're thinking, God, I, I don't have somebody else the way some people do. Can I tell you today, it's true, you don't, and that is a big struggle and that's a hard thing, but can I tell you today that you do have Jesus and he does see you today, single person. See, here's the thing, man. We... We, our, our life is a constant coming up against these river Jordans. Because when you read their story, like once they get over, you read the rest of Joshua, that's like, like in fact, they have a big victory and then it gets really bad for them because they're disobedient. And so the thing I want you to know today is the Bible tells us when you come to these situations, look two directions. First direction, we're going to go really fast here, all right? First is to look forward and look to the ark. Look at verse 3. Look what he says in verse 3. He says, hey, command the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest of Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and you shall go after it. Trisha, Austin, Dylan, when you don't know what to do, look to the Lord. You know what was in the ark? The ten stone commandments. The foundation for the moral law. The foundation for what was going to set them apart from these other people, the foundation for what was going to help them live 
into life instead of death and destruction. The thing that was going to keep them from sacrificing their children like the other nations did. The thing that was going to stop them from thinking that it was okay to steal another man's wife like other people were doing. And the thing that was going to let them know when that did happen, even when a great king like David would come along and he would use his power that God gave him to steal another man's wife, the Ten Commandments were the foundation to know that this is not right. This brings death, not life, and God will not tolerate this. He will not. He's going to destroy the, the devil for a number of reasons. Going to, it, it makes clear the end of the devil is um, in some way to lose his power. To, to, the devil will not achieve what he set out to achieve. And what he set out to do, the devil set out to do is bring sin, which brings death. And God will not tolerate that. And we disobey the moral law, it brings death. And God will not tolerate that. I'll tell you, we, we, we uh, rightfully get worried and we see how far our nation wants to disrespect the Ten Commandments because we know it brings life, not death. But can I tell you, even more than being concerned about uh, what our government does, which we should be, we need to be concerned about our own families and our own homes and our own churches. Like we need to be careful that we don't buy into the spirit of the age and we start downplaying this moral law because God put that in the ark and those stone tablets were in there. Can you imagine that? The stone tablets that, that Moses had are in the ark. I mean, that would be amazing. And, and that's one of the things that was there. The ark also represented the presence of God. So the word of God, the law of God, the foundation for it, right, is in there. I wonder the five books that Moses wrote, right? Are they also in there? I don't know. We know the stone tablets are there. Uh, we, know that we know that the foundation of moral law is in there. We know the presence of God is bound up. So when they look at the ark, they are both looking at the word of God because the Ten Commandments are in there, and they're looking at the power of God. So folks, when you face a Jordan River, look to the word of God. Look to the Word of God and see what God's Word would tell you when you face these crossroads. Don't listen to every other voice. Don't go to every voice. Go to the Word of God and see and look to the power of God and the presence of God, which means you probably get, need to get on your knees or get in your prayer closet or go for a walk. However you pray, you get along with God and you look to Him and look to His Word when you face these Jordan rivers in your life. If God's presence and His Word is enough, say amen. And so Jesus, Jesus gave his life so that, so that we could know how the word and the law of God is fulfilled and what it all means. And so we don't look to the ark, but we do look to Jesus. We do look to the one that has fulfilled all of this. We look to him and we do that through the word. We look to his power and his presence, the word of God. So graduates, I would just say to you today, listen, don't just trust me. Don't just trust my word. Look to the word of of God. Now looking forward is important. But so is looking back. Would you say that after me? Say look back. That was weak. Say it again. Look back. The word of God says to look forward and to look back. These stones were a reminder to look back and to appreciate what God has done. This serves to help them trust God when new storms arise. And Tricia and Dylan and Austin, I just want to say to you guys today, it's unbelievable what God has done in your lives. Austin, the way God has used your musical abilities, wow. I mean, it really is. I mean, I can't do those things. And to see you play, and Mark had told me what he told the group, that you'll hear a song 
and go learn it. Like, like there's no beating you up about it. There's no begging you to do it. Like, you just go do it. If you're glad there are people that just go do things, say amen. You just do it. And I'm going to tell you something, and this is to this whole group. We don't have the biggest youth group in town, but we got, we've got a good group. And eight years ago, Connie reminded me through Facebook that really the eight-year date was, was just this couple days ago. And there was, uh, I remember having a discussion with, with a parent is no longer with us. It doesn't matter who it was. But, and I told them, I, you know, we're talking about the church. And I told them, I said, one thing I'm really, really worried about is, like, they don't sing on Wednesday nights, like what I've been told. And they're not, like, our young people are not singing. And this parent who meant well said to me, said, well, they just don't do that. I mean, told me, you're, you're, I'm not exaggerating. He said, you're not going to be able to get them to do that because they just don't sing. And I remember, and my dad can vouch for this, I mean, there were conversations I had with my father privately. I was like, I'm sorry, the Word of God says, like, all Christians are supposed to do this. Like, it's, it's, it's not optional. And so you're raising up the next generation. It's not optional to say, we're not going to sing praises unto the Lord because the Lord God has told us, if you are my people, you will sing praises to me. You will. And I just want to say to this group, my son Ethan, I'm not going to claim he does it all the time, but my wife and I, and I don't get to see him a lot, but my wife tells me so many Sundays, you should have heard Ethan singing out to the Lord this morning before they dismissed him. Do you know part of why he does that? It's because he has seen people just a little bit ahead of him, much more you guys than me or his mom. They see the people right just five, six years older, they see them singing, and Ethan thinks, that's what I should be doing. That's natural. That's right. I should sing and praise the Lord. So, so Austin and Tricia and Dylan, when I say to you guys, thank you for musically what your group has done and, and, and those a little bit older than you, I mean it from the bottom of my heart because I'm not just preacher speak. This is because my son has seen you praise the Lord and it is infectious and it has caught a hold of him. So Austin, thank you. Now, one thing about Austin that, I, that I'll tell you about is Austin, Austin, he wants to speak some, and he wants to learn how to, how to present the gospel and, and, and do that. And I made a deal with Austin, and this is going to give you a little insight of their personalities. I said, Austin, when you and Daniel Copeland learn how to get along, I'll let you preach in front of the church. Now, here's what you got to know, all right? I said, when you and Daniel can get along, I will let you preach. These two boogers that fight all the time, Church camp rolls around, and whose cabin are they going to be in that they request? Daniel. Austin, you got a lot of talent. But look forward and look back as you make this journey. Tricia, man, you are funny. Like, you're hilarious. And uh, you're a thinker. And you ask questions. And people keep coming to me with these questions you ask. And I'm going to tell you, and I keep telling them, like, I need to get with Trisha and, like, just, we got to talk, we got to talk about stuff. Trisha's a thinker, and you get out of your comfort zone. You're going to fly for the first time in a couple weeks. Never done that before, right? That's a big deal. You know who's more scared than she is? Mike. Mike is trembling back there, right? Trisha thinks. She steps out of her comfort zone. She wants to know, like, why is this? Why does God's word say that? I don't, I mean, I've heard this. I've heard the stories, and that's good. Because you know one reason I became a preacher was because I asked those same kind of questions. Because I argued with my dad to no end over stuff in the Bible. 
Think about the Word of God. Wrestle with the Word of God. Continue to do that. Continue to get out of your comfort zone. I remember when you went to Truth and Peace last year. What elementary school did you go to? Parkview. My mom, I was telling uh, the boys this the other day, or a little bit about this. When you went to Truth and Peace the first time, my mom, who taught at Parkview, my mom said, I cannot believe what Tricia has become. Like proud. Like I just, she's going to Truth and Peace. She's stepping out. And I know, and you have many people in this church that love you. And my mom's one of them because she remembers when you were little at Parkview. And, and as you get older, you start to get scared because sometimes you start to understand consequences more. When you get older, sometimes you'll be afraid to step out of your comfort zone because you'll be afraid of what might happen. And I would just say to you, when you get older and you start to feel that and your personality begins to change a little bit because of life experiences, before you decide to do or not do anything, just look forward and look back and ask God, and he'll be as faithful to you now as he was the first time you went off to Truth and Peace, the first time you went off to camp, everything you've ever done. So continue to ask hard questions and continue to do what God wants you to do. If you're glad for Austin and Tricia, say amen. And then we got Dylan. I remember when Dylan got baptized. I remember the first time Dylan went to camp. And uh, this fellow over here had something to, something to do with that. Him and Braden. I remember him and Braden at camp. And, uh, and, you know, Mark said, like, Dylan's always doing this. I'm going to tell you. I, there was a, a while there that I thought, if Dylan and Bailey don't stop messing with each other, I'm going to go crazy. Dylan, you have grown up. You, and, I, and, and what Mark said, when Dylan's mom got sick and went to the hospital in Chattanooga, when I went down that day, Dylan was there. And I got to take Dylan back home. He got to ride with me, and we stopped. And I thought, I'm going to take Dylan somewhere nice to eat. And we took him to kind of a trendy restaurant down in Chattanooga, somewhere that you know, couldn't eat around here. And and probably doesn't get to eat at a lot. And I thought, I'm going to take him somewhere nice and somewhere different. And I'm going to spend a little time with Dylan. And uh, in the restaurant on the way home, Dylan started asking me these theological questions. Like, I'm not going to say, not TV preaching type stuff, but things that you'll hear people say, like, or write on Facebook or do things that really, like, inside of you, if you know the Word of God, you're going, that's not right. That, that's close to right, but that's not what the Bible says. And Dylan started rattling off some questions to me. And I, and I would just kind of talk back with him. Think, think, he was like, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And, and he was, he was, he's kind of like Trisha, just asking me these questions. There's a maturity and there's a depth there, Dylan. God has taken you a long way. But what I love about you is it's not enough to just know the Word of God. You've got to be a servant and what you do with young life and the way that when you said, hey, I feel like I, I, I need to see, I think God might be calling me to youth ministry. He didn't wait. He and Mark talked. And it's like, Dylan, you can start going now with our teachers and you can start learning and you can start being a part. And he jumped in right where he could jump in. I have never, I have, and I've been around a number of settings Dylan's in, I've never seen Dylan ever be the center of attention. But I have seen Dylan over and over and over and over again just kind of jump in and do, what can I do to be a part and to be a blessing? Dylan, churches would die if there weren't people who had that attitude. Those priests just got in the water. Sometimes you just get in and you go. 
By the way, the story of Dylan's life, if you don't know it, it's a miracle that Dylan is alive and with us. And he has some major health stuff that he's had. You, you would never know that if you're just around him. He's one of the bravest people I know, and I don't even think you know that. You, you're an inspiration for what you've done. If you're glad for Dylan, say amen. Now, church, here's the thing, man. It's, it's graduation Sunday. But the fact is, it's for all of us. And it's not just graduates that are at a crossroad today. I'm looking at a room full of people that you're at crossroads. And the Lord God says to you, look forward to me. And look backwards to what I've done. But there's one place that he didn't say to look. Or really two. What we do is we look at the trouble and it overwhelms us. Or we do the world's philosophy, just generic speak here. And we look to our own strength. Some people don't look at the trouble. But they look to their own strength and they say, I will overcome this. The Christian says a subtle but different thing that has huge consequences. Subtle but huge consequences. We don't just look to our own strength. We look to the Lord God who will be our strength. And when we look to Him, we find the strength that we need because it's coming from Him. He, he is the life giver. We are connected to Him as branches to the vine through Jesus Christ. So I want to say to you today, if you are at a crossroads in your life, musicians are going to come, we're going to sing. And if you are at a crossroads today, look forward to the author and the finisher of your faith, Jesus, and look back and trust in His goodness and His grace and His justice that He's already shown. Would you stand with me this morning? Look both ways. Father God, we pray that you would be with this time. Lord, we've tried to preach a message today that would benefit our three graduates, but also our whole church. Father God, I just ask this morning, Lord, I know there are lots of people at crossroads. Lord, would you use this time now in your, in your way to apply this word to their situation, Lord, their circumstances? Lord, if there's one who needs to come to pray today, I, I ask that they would. Lord, there may be some graduates and their family that want to come pray. Lord, there might be somebody that is not saved that needs to look to Jesus. There may be a believer that is struggling. Father God, you use this time. We'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we're going to sing, Brother Cecil, what number? 451. 451. He's going to sing. You can sing. But if you need to pray, listen, you come. You come today and look to the Lord in prayer. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do And obey, trust and There's no obey, other way. For there's no Can't other be your way or somebody way else's way. To be happy. The only way Jesus you'll get across the Jordans of your life 
is the Lord to trust and obey. Let's sing one more verse. Sing it to the Lord. If you need to pray, don't hesitate. Don't wait. 